I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Here is with the Catch Wrestling Alliance, where we keep real wrestling alive. I am here with a very special guest. I'm going to call you Memo, right? <laughs> you call you, uh, Memo. Matt calls me Memo. <laughs> um, so, uh, can, you, can you give Guillermo Zagata. Okay, great. I was just going to uh, say that for people who might see the X and like just be really confused about like what to do and uh, you know how to pronounce that, but. Uh, thank you for clearing that up. And so the reason you're here, and this is like a very special uh, episode, is uh, you are like you created the story behind an upcoming comic called Milagro. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I got together with an artist named Matt Strackline, who goes by the letter hack. We've known each other for a few years now. Matt used to be the art director for what was once called Denver Comic-Con and became Pop Culture Classroom. And they had educational comics that they put out for kids for free that you can still find online. So Matt gave me an opportunity to write for them. He asked me about, you know, what would I write? And, you know, in terms of Colorado history, what would I write? And to do a pitch for him. So I had two ideas. I had Jack Dempsey the boxer who's from Manassa, Colorado. Unfortunately, they'd already done like an educational comic on him. And then I did one on the Ludlow Massacre. And Matt and I got along great. He's a great guy. He's an incredible artist, an incredible coordinator. And we worked together on and off for the, over the years. We've done a bunch of different projects. Matt had this idea that he came up with, I want to say it was like 2004. He came up with the idea of a luchador vigilante named Milagro. And we talked about it. And Matt's original idea, he he had the character, he had the name, and he just had like, maybe like six or seven prompts that he gave me. He wanted it to start with the death in the ring. Uh, He wanted there to be a motif with roses. Uh, He wanted to take place in Mexico, which I thought was great because, you know, there isn't really a lot of representation for Latinos in comics or, or particularly Mexicans or Mexican-Americans. Like the only ones I can think of are Miles, Miles, Mora- Miles Morales, the, Sp- the, the other Spider-Man, right? Um, Joaquin Torres, he's going to be the new Falcon, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. There, there just isn't really that many. So I thought it was really great. Uh, Matt gave me the prompts and then he just let me go. You know, he trusted me because we worked together so many times over the years that he just let me go. He let me create the story. I had to take place in Mexico City. And 
in my mind, I wanted to do to Lucha Libre what pretty much happened with pro wrestling in Japan, where the lines were blurred between performance art and actual combat sport. And then eventually like actual like street fighting, street self-defense, those types of things. And then we just kind of went from there. And now we are on the verge of funding this awesome project that Matt was kind enough to let me be part of. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and kind of let people know. So this project is going through kind of like a Kickstarter. Um, um, so we're basically going to be crowdfunded. So that that actually got kicked off what on Tuesday of this week, right? Yeah. And so we've uh, put the link below if you want to uh, chip in. Uh, I've also so we'll get into uh, that you know that I've helped out with this project. Um, but just before we get into that, you know, just to let you know if you do want to help out, the link for the Kickstarter is in the description. Uh, it's almost completely funded though, right? So if you want to uh, kind of chip in the last few penny they're like say like, we'd say in uh, if you'd say it in spanish it's like the last cent the centavos right so um because uh the king well actually give us an update like where where it's at right so you we're 98 percent funded uh it's awesome we have 127 dollars to go which is unbelievable the support that we've gotten this is has just been really wild i mean we've gotten support from independent comic creators. We've gotten support from martial artists. Uh, we've gotten all kinds, and, and, and me personally, like I've had so many friends just texting me and messaging me, like just watching this thing go up. And it's really been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really moved by all of this. Like I didn't, I didn't expect it to be quite like this. Um, but yeah, we are almost there. And it's probably, I mean, the odds are it's gonna get funded it could very well get funded while we're having this, this discussion. And then from there, the next step for us is the, um, the stretch goals. So if we can get another 2000 in funding, you know, our, our artists, Matt and Ross are going to have all kinds of extras that they create all kinds of stickers and drawings. The details for that are going to be on the website. If people want to go look or on the Kickstarter site. But yeah, I, I mean, anyone who's seen what these guys can do, you know, Ross is our virtuoso. You know, I, I joke around like if we were a power trio or something, Ross would be the guy shredding guitar solos. I mean, he's he's incredible, and he doesn't have any background in grappling, martial arts, or anything. He's been learning as he goes. You know, he drew kaiju comics. Uh, he had a couple of successful comics that he put out on his own uh, called Stumped. So for him, this is a new experience, and man, he has taken to it. He's been watching a lot of your videos just to get a feel and, and learn how to do this. You know, those have been really, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but for those have been really crucial in uh, the creation of the fight scenes and the action scenes in Milagro. So yeah, it, it's it's been great and uh, and I'm really moved by all of it. Yeah, so hopefully people, um, if, if they see, or if they go to this to the link and they see the site and they see the artwork there, it's it's beautiful, really. It's really well done. It's very professionally done uh, by you know high quality artists. So it's it, you wouldn't be funding any some kind of second second rate type thing. Uh, this is like pro all the way. <laughs> but um, like you were uh, alluding to, so I helped out. Uh, I'm like uh, your guys's fight consultant, right? Yes, so, you are. Uh, how about you? Uh, to tell them about that. 
Well, I mean, I've, I've trained on and off myself over the years, probably for 20, oh, damn, I'm getting old, um, probably like 25 years now. On and off, mm -hmm. you know, I've had injuries, life, kids, job stuff, you know, mostly uh, typical MMA blend, boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, a little bit of judo, a little bit of like wrestling. Although, like you said, like I, I need to learn more wrestling because I really don't know much uh much wrestling uh, i didn't wrestle in high school or anything so i had a little bit of a background i know enough to be able to put fight scenes together you know i know enough to be a good training partner what i didn't know was how to give it a catch flavor all of these arts you know that bruce lee said a punch becomes a punch or a punch is just a punch right you know there's different ways to throw a punch there's different ways to grapple there's different approaches to grapple the moves are essentially the same. It's just how you get there and the approaches and the strategies. So what I really needed for Milagro, for the character, for the anti-hero vigilante that we have, was to represent pro wrestling. And I needed your expertise to be able to help with that. You know, I wanted specific types of takedowns. I wanted, um, you know, with, uh, with catch and with wrestling in general, you don't really end up on your back. So I needed to, I needed to have those elements in the comic or in the graphic novel. But um, one of the things like I think that's kind of missed, missing in a lot of Western comics is that kind of authenticity. You see that all the time in manga. You see that all the time in anime. You know, whoever the hell are drawing those things, I mean, they're, they're getting like triangle chokes and all these like auras <clears throat> and all these different things, and they're really accurate. But you don't really see that level of detail as much in Western comics. So... I really wanted to represent that and I wanted to come to you for that. Oh, cool. Well, it was a pleasure to work with you. So th there's some scenes that are, um, I think people will really like that if they support, then they'll be able to see, <laughs> see how they came out. But yeah, it's like, um, I, I really agree with the whole authenticity thing that you were mentioning because yeah, like a lot of comics and even, um, even a, you know, a lot of the movies that come from, uh, Western comics and stuff. It's like a lot of striking oriented, right? So, which people tend to like be okay with, or it's like really easy for them to understand. So I think that's probably why they do that. But um, we are seeing like how you mentioned in some of the Japanese comics and cartoons, um, like it's still really exciting when you add legitimate grappling into it, right? So um, actually even on this YouTube channel, we just did a series, I think like four videos, uh, mm -hmm. just on some of the realistic moves from the anime Attack on Titan, because they used, they tried to do a triangle choke, they did a arm bar, and what was really cool about the arm bar is that um, it was more catch wrestling-like, where... Belly down. Uh, yeah, it was belly down, so it wasn't like going back onto your back, and it, it, they followed through, so it's like uh, when, when Titan ripped off the arm of the other Titan, so uh, it was... Uh, it was it was pretty badass, so, so I had to talk about it because, yeah, again, it's like you're not really seeing these types of moves in a lot of pop culture, like comics and cartoons and or, or live action movies, which um, they, they could they could do these things. And since Milagro has not only the pro wrestling aspect into it, it has like real fighting, like real fight scenes that are out of the ring. So you. Like when you think about these types of real life fight scenarios, 
you don't want to be on your back. You know, you get your the you get your skull cracked, right? If you you know if they slam you down on your back and they start punching you, pounding you your head into the pavement, it's it's not it's not where you want to be. No. And, you know, another thing about Mexico, I mean, obviously, when you think of Mexican combat sports, you have to think about boxing. You know, some of the most, some of the greatest, most exciting, most courageous, just incredible fighters come from Mexico. You know, and I want, there's just a fighting spirit with Mexican fighting culture. You know, you, you say like Mexican fighter and you have this image of this guy that will not give up. You know, and I, and I wanted to honor that in the comic, you know, uh, we don't really, we're not really seeing these types of stories in there. So I wanted to have elements of that and without giving too much away, something that we don't talk much about in this arc that, you know, hopefully if it's successful, we can, uh, we can explore in future arts. Um, we saw in Japan, there was a, a parallel between pro wrestling, you know, scripted, I don't like calling it fake. You know, and that, that's something that I address. You can see that right on the Kickstarter, just within the first five pages. You know, I, I it's not fake, it's scripted, you know? Gravity's real. Those falls and those hits and everything are real. And, but even within that, there's, there's, um, there's a realistic aspect that was explored in Japan. You know, they went from the scripted pro wrestling to what eventually became MMA. You know, that it became Shuto and Pancrase and Pride and all those great events. And you had some great Japanese fighters with backgrounds in pro wrestling that had done some catch, that had done other things, judo, sambo, and all those other arts in the blend. And in my mind, like what kind of something like that happens in Mexico, you know, there's like this revolution of, um, of grappling and combat sports, you know, that comes from like Mexican boxing and Kyokushin karate and, um, and catch wrestling and pro wrestling, you know, and uh, and I definitely wanted to try to capture that in this fictitious world that Matt was kind enough to let me create. Yeah, and well, that's kind of the thing about like uh, uh, early the early days of the like I usually say predetermined matches for pro mm -hmm. wrestling. So when it was going that way, uh, there were a lot of legit, you know, catch wrestlers or even grappling like grapplers of other styles. Uh, who were into it, but say some who did not want to do the predetermined match, uh, you know, they just quit and did other things. If if they if they had something to fall back on, another career or whatnot. Um, but there were some who you know really needed that to you know to pay bills or you know, to make money. So um, then they continued. So there was uh, even back then, back around World War One and all that, there were a lot more people who had like this legit background. So um, that's what I like about Milagro and that you can kind of think of it in that way where it's like you have someone with the legit training uh, who just happens to be doing pro wrestling as well. You know, so it, you know, cause it can be that whole thing where it's like you're the legit person and the career is still kind of combat oriented, but it's still like a different, uh, still a different thing. Yeah, you know, we, we saw something like that kind of happened in Brazil with Luta Libre. You know, there was a whole movement with Luta Libre that people don't really talk that much about or know that much about. Like up until like, I think there was a video, I think it was Didos is what they're called. They put out a video about Luta Libre. Like up until a few years ago, I didn't know that it was connected to catch wrestling and pro wrestling at all. 
like I thought it was like one of the Gracie students kind of went off on their own and, and took off the gi. Like I had no idea, you know, and mm. they were doing like no gi MMA grappling. They were doing leg locks and all kinds of things. And they were like the primary rival for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I, I didn't really, I knew that they were rivals, but I didn't know the origins of it up until just a couple of years ago. So oh, yeah. this, this thing with like pro wrestling, and and real combat sports is it, it just seems like it's always kind of been there to some degree and it's kind of like flourished at different times and different cultures so in my story i wanted to make that happen in mexico that's awesome i mean um like uh, is like what about mexico are there anything in particular about mexico that you try to highlight with regards to like the culture or the cities or is there anything you kind of want people to well, know about it full disclosure i myself am not mexican i am latin american um uh, i'm peruvian well i'm american but my old my my parents are from peru and chile i grew up in the east coast and when i was growing up in the east coast there weren't really mexicans there were not not in new jersey at the time or i didn't know any you know there weren't that many it was mostly Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, just completely different culture. I moved to Colorado almost 20 years ago, and I got to know more about Mexican culture, Mexican food, always been a fan of Mexican fighters, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, all those guys. And um, then you started having like Mexican-American fighters like Frank Shamrock, you know, guys like that, King Velasquez started coming up. Um, and then we would visit Mexico and we would get to know people from that were originally from Mexico. And I, I just got fascinated with so many aspects of the culture, you know, just like with learning about a lot of cultures, you can start with food, you know, you start looking at architecture, you go to Mexico City or you go to not necessarily Mexico City, but you go to Mexico, you see the adobe houses, you know, the mustard yellows and, and the colors and everything. They're just beautiful, you know. So I, I got fascinated by that just over the years and then when matt brought me this character it just made so much sense to to dive into that and to explore that yeah very cool yeah so i think a lot of people might not know about know so much about mexico especially if um if they are living in the united states where you get kind of this distorted uh portrayal of what it's like to be in mexico but yeah, like how you're saying, there's so many beautiful parts, different types of uh, uh, terrain where it's like at the north, there's desert because, you know, we have that big desert that, you know, if you've ever been to the southwest, it's it's in the it's 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 on both sides of the border. Right. But yeah. that that ends right with the further south you go and then the terrain um, changes completely and you have different uh, cultures uh, uh, throughout different regions. Of Mexico so uh, it's not just like and you can't just think of just one you, know, you can't think of uh, just like you know, a lot of people associate Aztec or something like that it's not just that type of thing there's a wide variety of, of peoples that live throughout different parts of Mexico um, yes. so um, like to show the reality or show like the vibrancy and like how, how you mentioned different colors and different and i think even in la we see los angeles we have this influence where um it's this uh 
we call it like Chicano or like Mexican influence where it's like LA is considered like the city of murals, right? Because uh, there's more murals here uh, than other place, other parts of the United States and probably even other parts of the world where you maybe be outside of Mexico, right? Because you have this beautification process that kind of goes on where, you know, walls get uh, painted beautifully. And um, uh, there's, there's so much to the culture that, I'm happy that you're trying to bring out. Yeah, there. You know, it's funny. Um, again, with these artists that I get to work with, with Ross and Matt, um, I, I wrote in some mural thing. There, there's a poverty aspect. Of, of the story does take place in Mexico City, uh, in a district called East Tapalapa, which is um, which is pretty poor. You know, so I did want to explore some of that. But there, there, there is a lot of like mural art throughout the story. And there's even like a couple, there's a mention of like an indigenous culture because there's different indigenous cultures mm -hmm. that are out of Mexico, you know, not just Aztecs that, that everybody associates with, you know, but um, there's just so many little aspects about Mexico that, that really haven't been explored in comics or storytelling that I was hoping to do. And it just, it, it felt pretty natural to to be able to do that with with the framework that Matt gave. Okay, now that sounds awesome. So hopefully, yeah, this is interesting to other people. If you want to kind of see more of uh, uh, like kind of the real or like the the vibrancy of this culture and how it can be connected to catch wrestling, because uh, catch wrestling almost like through pro wrestling just really um, you know went or traveled throughout the world. Really, so it's like the style that that you know emerged from this little village or like this little region in northern England. Uh, then you know, like just just dominated the earth, really, because um, uh, you know, like the the style itself, catches catch can. Even those early matches uh, happened all over the world. There were different types of challenge matches, and so like you had you know Japanese. Uh, judo and jiu-jitsu people coming to compete, not only in England, but United States and even in the White House. And and then as matches moved to become more predetermined, I mean, still that style, the predetermined pro wrestling, uh, that is all over the earth, really. I mean, there's all these promotions, not only here in the United States, uh, but if you look at the United States, there's tons, right? There's different regional champions, um, and there still are uh smaller regional shows going on all over i know all over california nevada uh you know there's actually there's plenty of pro wrestling schools um all over the place so um and what it's even um uh, like the basis of a, what's considered like a traditional indigenous practice in peru right the they call it the cachican where the the indigenous women do it they do pro wrestling in in their traditional outfits um, but they said it's because the the British mining companies that uh, went there uh, to mine they, they brought their pro wrestling with them, and so then it just got taken by the indigenous women there, which is really interesting. So you can see how it, and also you mentioned Luta Libre. Uh, we have um, we I interviewed uh, more of an expert, an anthropologist from Brazil uh, on that, and he actually will be coming back shortly. He wants to. Uh, like compile some more research for everybody. So um, he's working on that and he'll, he'll be back on shortly. Um, but 
that's the thing. There is like how you mentioned it's like pro wrestling. So if it if it wasn't even like pure catch wrestling, still pro wrestling, you know, touched the whole world, especially how you mentioned like the the Americas, you know, from north to south. Um, so so like to have uh, say like a catch wrestler from Mexico is not uh, it's like it's not unbelievable. It's totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the pro wrestling, I mean, look at what it's done in Canada, right? I mean, like Canada has a storied tradition of pro wrestling. America, Mexico has its own version. Why not take that fantastical leap, which, I mean, who knows, you know? Maybe it's not that much of a leap, but like, why not take that fantastical leap and turn a performance art, the performance art of pro wrestling into like the combat sport? Of pro wrestling and like the defensive sport of pro wrestling, you know, like the way the way I use it in um, in Milagro for for I guess street defense, street fighting, you know. Yeah, yeah. How much uh, can you tell us of the the story or, <laughs> or about the character? Is there any more you can kind of tell us about about um, him or the story? So on the Kickstarter page you can see um that there was another aspect that i kind of that this was one of the prompts that matt gave me uh pro wrestling even scripted or predetermined pro wrestling had a history of shoots where they actually did real matches whether sometimes they i guess a lot of times they were in the gym to determine who's going to be a champion or a contender and sometimes in the ring you know, just suddenly they would just, the things would go sideways and the guys were actually fighting or attacking one another, you know? So Matt wanted to have that in the story. So I start with that in the story. There's a match uh, between two men and you find out one of them is a mentor, one of them is a student. Um, and he's a disgraced luchador. He takes it too far. There's a death in the ring. I mean, you could see that much on the Kickstarter. Uh, the luchador, Milagro, ends up homeless. Uh, he keeps his mask on and he doesn't talk. There's specific reasons for that that I don't explore in this art. Matt, Ross, and I know why. And again, that's something that I'd like to explore down the road. But, um, but he doesn't talk. He doesn't take off the mask, which is also like a tradition in Lucha Libre. He has another reason why he doesn't take it off. So uh, there ends up being trouble in his tapalapa. There's a, a bit of a cartel angle for people that like that kind of crime angle of things. Um, there's some really, there, there's some things that I think people wouldn't expect in the story. Uh, two of the main characters are women, an older woman and um, a younger woman. There is a community gardening aspect because I read something about, you know, ancient Mexican techniques for gardening that were coming back to places like Mexico City. So there, there, there's all these different aspects that I threw in there. Um, what else can I tell without giving too much away? There's a pretty, you saw it yourself because you helped out a lot with it, but uh, there is a pretty long fight oh, here's my cat uh there is a pretty long fight that goes on in one of the chapters that's pretty detailed so like people that are really into like grappling and mma and those types of things 
will probably really appreciate it. Um, that's about all I probably should say about it. Yeah, but I think we can kind of expand on on that a little bit with regards yeah. to the the fighting. So um, even though there's like that pro wrestling aspect, when you have these fights that are outside of the ring, you you try to make them more realistic, right? Yeah. So Matt says that uh, Matt Strackbine, the guy who created the character, he says that the comic is rated BV for brutal violence, right? You know, when you watch combat sports, grappling or MMA, people tap, right? There's no tapping on the street. There's no mats, you know? So what would it look like if these guys that had all these skills actually knew what was going on? Um, there is an antagonist who is an MMA fighter that, uh, that appears in the second chapter. You got to see him. Um, and it's interesting. I wanted to give the guys different fighting styles like his the antagonist is more brazilian jiu-jitsu his boxing style is probably like more of a cross guard philly shell type style you know um i gave milagro classic tight guard you know classic like julio cesar chavez type style um so there's i think people that are that are pretty well versed in mma or combat sports and can see the differences between like jujitsu versus like judo versus like sambo versus like something like wrestling, catch wrestling. I think, I think that they'll pick up on that. And, and people that don't know about it will, will just see something that's full of action that, that looks like it could be more realistic. I mean, how, how many years have we seen like Superman and Batman, like throwing like punches like this or something, or like, you know, like <laughs> kick at the same time. I mean, like you don't, really do that you know like in in training or in sparring or in a fight or anything like that that that's not going to work unless you're like you know from the planet krypton or something so like i wanted to have things that you see in actual fights and i wanted to have the different flavors of different arts in the fight well that sounds really good to me so that's the thing i think uh, the these like real fights can be uh entertaining Right, so we've seen it in like the the anime Attack on Titan. Um, so you, we see how um, realistic fighting can be interesting, and you know it can be part of the story or it can enhance a story. Uh, and you, and people who have no clue about the like these different martial arts styles or grappling and whatsoever, uh, I think they they can still be entertained. You know, so it's like there's a way to do it where it's still. It still includes everyone and it still entertains everyone. And so I'm happy that you're trying to make these matches or these fights, these real fights, more real. Yeah, you know, I think the, re the reason why so many of us love combat sports, whether it's boxing, MMA, grappling, whatever it is, I mean, it's a story, right? Every fight has a story. They have different acts. They have its own structure, you know? They come out, they feel each other out, the things are slow, the fights build up. One fighter starts to dominate, the other guy looks like he's gonna lose, the guy comes back in the next round, the guy that was losing comes back and puts it to the other guy, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, or girl or, or person or whoever, but um, they put it to the other fighter, you know, and it's dramatic, it's its, its own story. And, and you watch enough classic fights you start to see the flows and the stories behind some of these fights and you watch them over and over and they're, they're just incredible, you know? Um, yeah. And you know, something else that I did that I think 
you know, mega fight nerds will pick up on it, but there are at least, there's three classic fights that uh, MMA fight fans will, may recognize. There's elements from those fights, you know, specific moves. You, you saw them when, uh, when I got your feedback on them, but uh, yeah. And, and I'm curious to see how many people are going to pick up on those moves or like, oh, that was from this fight and that was from that fight, you know, and, and in that sense, I'm pretty lucky too, because I have decades now of, uh, of great MMA matches to like pick and choose like, oh, you know, this sequence, this move. Um, and I tried to get some of that in the story as well. Yeah. So it's like uh, even more realism, right? It's like these things actually happen in real matches, like real MMA matches. So uh, you can't deny the the realism, right? You know, something that Ross said, Ross uh, does the pencils and inks, you know, our, our virtuoso. But uh, something that he said, watching it on video helped him out because we didn't want to necessarily do like a fight manual. We're doing a comic book or we're doing a graphic novel in this case, but it's essentially a comic, right? We didn't want just, um, you know, just like a manual just showing you how to do moves. We wanted to tell the story. We wanted to have some dramatic elements in it. We wanted to have elements that make comics great, you know, the sequential art and all those types of things. And actually watching these moves and watching them applied in real fights was um, was really helpful to him. You know, it's something that he talked about, like watching actual videos that I'd sent him. Uh, and, and the guy has really done his homework. I mean, he's really been impressive with, uh, with what he's been able to accomplish. The, the fight that's on the Kickstarter is more like um, a pro wrestling match turned into a shoot. So mm. there isn't too, too much in terms of um, what you might see, like in terms of, well, I mean, yeah, no, there's elements of catch. There's a German suplex and, you know, there's a Superman punch off the ropes, which, which could work, you know. Um, so there's definitely elements to that, but, um, but we really start to amp it up as the story goes on. Great, great. Um, so just so people know that um, uh, we're talk about videos, I think that does help to kind of make it more realistic. And so, yeah, when you guys, I just so let people know that, I, you know, that since I helped out, um, so sometimes you would come to me about like, how could we make these transitions work? And so then I would make a video and then uh, show you how to do these transitions in a realistic way as well. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, how I was helping as well. Well, you also have a background in Sanda, Chinese kickboxing with throws. Yes. And I heard you talk about this because um, you like the way that it blended with catch, like the striking to the throws really was a good blend for catch. So there's even a couple elements of that, like those transitions between the different ranges of fighting and, you know, how you would go from like throwing a kick, you know, to getting taken down or taking a guy down or doing whatever it is, like all those different setups. To me, it was really important to get that in and to be as authentic as possible and to give that like a little bit of a different flavor to it, you know? So yeah, all, all of that stuff really makes it in there. And I think, I think fight fans will really appreciate it. Okay. And the guys that are like me that are like fight fans and comic nerds, I think they'll, I think they'll really appreciate it. But I mean, I'm biased. What the hell do I know? <laughs> no, but it looks great. So, so actually, can you check uh, if if there's any progress on the Kickstarter? Are you see, you got it pulled up there? 
I got it pulled up. Uh, nothing yet. We're still at 98%. We're $127 to go. I mean, I, I, I'm really happy with how this, this has gone. I, I didn't expect this, you know, in the back of our minds, we were, we were sweating a little bit like, oh, you know, what if this makes it to the end of the month and we're like only halfway there or whatever, you know, cause Kickstarter is all or nothing. Right. And, mm -hmm. but I mean, we're going to, we'll get it. Okay. Oh, so you actually, so even though you started on what Tuesday, you had mm -hmm. 30 days to complete the, the, the challenge kind of. Yes. Wow. wow. And it's only been a few days and you're already almost there. Yeah. Honestly, right now we're starting to look at the stretch goals because the, the thing with um, the more people that get in, the more you're going to get for your money. Like the, you know, if we hit the one, we were trying to raise 7,000, right? So if we get to our first stretch goal, which is 9,000, there's more things that we're going to add. And then there's another stretch goal. I, I can't remember if it's 11,000 or 10,000. I can't remember what it is. I'll have to, I'd have to look, but as we get to each stretch goal, there's more rewards and more things that we're going to give out. Awesome. So hopefully people can be um, contributing because um, not only do we need like everyone needs more authentic catch wrestling in their life. They don't even whether they know it or not or whether they, whether they realize it or not, because uh, that's the other thing that uh, maybe it's like a personal thing of, me, of of my own. You know, you don't have to take part in what I'm, what I'm about to say. But, you know, it, there is like a, uh, there's this idea where it's like if you've done pro wrestling, then you automatically know catch wrestling. But I know for a fact because I know I know a lot of pro wrestlers and I know the backstory of a lot of uh, pro wrestlers, and they they don't truly know. Not all of them truly know catch wrestling, right? It's not going to be built into pro wrestling training. Um, so what I like about the story, or one of the aspects that I like about the story, is that you know someone can be doing pro wrestling, but you have them uh, being also uh, an authentic catch wrestler. Um, so hopefully people can kind of tell the difference. People can kind of see the difference, um, and hopefully people can be what like uh, entertained and inspired, and but also educated at the same time. So uh, you don't have to uh, uh, tag on to that or whatever if you don't want to. But um, that's kind of like a thing. Uh, it, that's that's a motivation for me to like to help out with this project uh, because I want people to to know that there's like a real style that pro wrestling came for or evolved from. And uh, it's it's by itself is it is a beautiful art, and it it was always considered um, like kind of like a sport plus self defense. It just didn't really have this the full on punches and kicks. Actually, actually, if you go back to a, few, a few hundred years ago in in England, there were kicks allowed, uh, so you can be kicking the shins and all that. Uh, punching was never allowed. Um, so there was that aspect that evolved over the years, especially when they try to standardize it around like the 1850s. Um, so there's these different realistic aspects. And so it could always have been, or it always was like this mix of sport and real fighting or real combat sport. Um, so I, I just want people to know that there is that, that aspect to catch wrestling and that it is not like it came first, right? It wasn't this kind of like 
weird kind of hybrid thing or whatever. It's like it came first. Pro wrestling evolved later. Um, so I just want people to know that. I, I basically I just want people to know that, right, at least. Well, there's a there's a pragmatic aspect to it as well. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is an incredible art. I mean, we, we've seen what those guys can do. You know, you see what Danaher's guys are doing. And you see you see guys like Ryan Hall and MMA. You know, I mean, there, there's no question about that. That's undeniable. But it's not the only one. There are other arts. And one of the problems with jiu-jitsu is it's, it's expensive. You know, like mm-hmm. most jiu-jitsu gyms, like if they're doing gi, you have to buy a gi. And even if it's like a no-gi gym, like they're, they're going to want you to wear their rash guards and certain things and then like the monthly costs i mean i it's like 200 bucks a month which is a lot of money for a lot of us you know yeah something like catch i mean you a high school kid could you know could learn high could learn amateur wrestling in high school and then just kind of build off of that without a gi if they if they wanted to train in like submission grappling you have um you have like an online thing that i'm eventually gonna try to get on when this is over, you know, and when I can find training partners to be able to do it. But yeah. well, maybe maybe you can do that right now. I just got notification from uh, Matt. He says you guys are funded now 102% funded. Oh, my gosh. Hold on a second here. I didn't refresh in time. Wow. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, buddy. Um, thank you. Well, thank yeah, thanks to uh, if any of you guys who are watching right now, uh, if you funded, you know, if you contributed, uh, you know thank you and and but yeah this is really great news this is awesome yeah this, this seems you know that seems right because i mean you are part of this um but there's a pragmatism i'm, I'm sorry i'm like uh i'm uh wow i'm really uh, i'm really excited by this um i'm all fidgety and stuff i don't know what to do with my hands um, yeah, well, well I, I can talk for a little bit good and uh chill out a little but like you were making a really good point about the whole idea about um how youth can get into this like how jujitsu like oh man i don't know like i know you're not in los angeles but in los angeles uh there are jujitsu gyms where it's like the monthly fee is like what, over two hundred dollars or some of them are even more than two hundred dollars a month so a lot of people just cannot afford that and um, whether they are even um, uh, gi or no gi doesn't matter they're all like expensive so um, how you were kind of talking or alluding to where it's like getting youth into wrestling um, really doesn't you don't even need to buy them shoes or, or they don't even need to buy shoes really even though that's that is kind of uh uh, still a bit of or like a part of the wrestling outfit uh, i think that potentially could fade away over time as well because even a long time ago uh you we, we wore the shoes and then we wore like leggings uh, but there was no shirt and then what happened is like it evolved to where it's like the leggings got shorter and then there's like a little strap that went over so we have like that um you know the the whole onesie going on but still the shoes and I think now we're having since because like nogi is like such a big, uh, it, it's becoming a huge sport, and um, I, they have allowed in the universities and I believe in the in the high schools and stuff where uh, the wrestlers they don't have to wear the singlet; they can wear like what looks like you know just shorts and a rash guard shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they it'll look exactly like nogi. So then maybe even eventually 
since they're already looking like no gi grapplers, you know, maybe the shoes will go too because, you know, it's like if they want to do MMA, there's no shoes. If they want to do no gi, there's no shoes, right? If they want to do whatever, uh, even put on the gi and do uh, gi grappling, jujitsu, no shoes, right? So there's, it's almost, I, I feel like perhaps the shoes can be gone, uh, you know, in a few generations, I guess, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you know, like I said, jiu-jitsu is a great art. It's just not accessible to everybody. And, you know, and, and this happened in Brazil. I mean, like with, with the little bit that I know about Luta Libre, one of the things was the gi, the lack of the gi, right? Like a lot of people couldn't afford that. So they just did it without the gi. And they did it more from like a catch perspective and, and incorporated a lot of that stuff. And, you know, how great would it be if that actually happened in Mexico? You know, like a, a, a bunch of, or, or, or even like LA, you know, like a bunch of kids like took advantage of this. Like, hey, you know, I can actually afford this. I can actually do it. They can set up clubs. There aren't quite, I haven't seen quite as many like jujitsu clubs or like community jujitsu. You see that with judo. Um, mm -hmm. You see yeah. that with wrestling. But I, this is another path to submission grappling, another path. Like if somebody wanted to get into MMA get a grappling base this is another way to do it. I don't, you know, I don't want to dump all over jujitsu. It's not that, but it's not the only way either. You know, there are other ways to learn um, and there are other approaches to it. And, you know, part, part of me hopes that like, you know, some kid ends up reading this, ends up reading Milagro and like gets inspired to, to learn grappling, you know, that would be, that would really be cool. Yep. I, I agree. That'd be very, very cool. And that, they can feel like uh, it's like more inclusive and you don't necessarily have to be getting all these kinds of uh, special outfits and shoes or whatever. That's why I, it's one of, it's another reason why it's like, I'm fine if the shoes kind of evolve out of it um, because of that, where it's like, you know, some of these, and that's crazy. Like, I don't know if you, if you know, I've, this is something that I've noticed in the past couple of years. It's like just shoes in general are like crazy expensive. And so, wrestling shoes are also like a lot of these these shoes are like over a hundred dollars for yeah. like a new pair so it's like that's like who can really afford, like who can really afford that and that makes it into like this kind of luxury zone where it's it's like a, a sport that any virtually anybody can do without shoes they're charging so much for shoes so yeah, i think that's uh something or that's a good reason for us to even abandon the shoes sometimes so uh not that, i mean i have i have wrestling shoes i mean i like them i think some of them look really cool and all that but um it's like man they're really i feel like almost like they're taking advantage of us when they talk when you look into the the pricing of how much these materials and all that stuff it, how much it costs to manufacture it uh it's not a, it's not a hundred dollars right so right. so uh um yeah it's like can you guys just uh, make them not cost so much, please? And, you know, maybe we'll keep them. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm -hmm. most of your videos, I don't think you wear, like, maybe you wear shoes maybe a third of the time or something. But most of the time, you're not, I, I've noticed you're not wearing shoes. And it's not really, like, a big part or necessary, you know, uh, or at least that's that's been my my perception of it. But, you know, that, that is something, too, going back to Milagro is the, the poverty aspect. You know, it, it's alluded to. Um, you're seeing certain things like that now here in the States, like uh, Terrence Bud Crawford, 
you know, one of the best fighters fighting right now. He has like a community center in Omaha where you can do fitness and boxing and all kinds of stuff, right? And it's pretty, it's open to pretty much anybody. And, you know, in my mind, a lot of this is, is community-based in Milagro. I actually have like a, an idea for like another arc and another story for how all that goes down. It's, it's alluded to a little bit in this particular arc, but, you know, man, if, if we can keep this going and if we're able to tell some of these stories, I mean, I, I have some pretty wild plans for Milagro. Um, the character, the storylines, and, and, and the rabbit holes that he's going to go down. And uh, I, I would really love to get into that community aspect, you know, and, and, and the poverty aspect and, and using combat sports as a way to, to hopefully get out, which traditionally it's been for a lot of people, you know. Um, I think that's something that could be explored. Like right now, like I said, like jujitsu really doesn't do enough of that, you know, or, or I don't know if it does it really much at all. There's a couple, I think there's a couple places in Brazil. I, I know there are some community-based jiu-jitsu places in Brazil, in the favelas, you know, um, Charles de Bronx, just uh, Oliveira, Charles de Bronx Oliveira just won the belt. And, you know, the, just from what we see from him, he's likely to do something like that with jiu-jitsu, but we just don't see enough of it. And hopefully this is another path for people that are struggling financially, like a lot of us are now. Yeah. I get you though, because like um, even uh, when I was speaking with different Chinese fighters from China, that's even the the perspective they took on Brazilian jiu-jitsu, where it's like, oh, that's just what the rich kids do, and they pay tons of money for classes, and they pay tons of money as entrance fees for jiu-jitsu tournaments. So it's like pe people, like say from these these cultures that uh, aren't as awed by. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, I think the Chinese culture in particular, the, you know, people who want to fight, a lot of them are more striking oriented anyway. And so when they look towards grappling style, they don't necessarily know the history of even like UFC and how that was like a, a big promotion for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So that's not really in the forefront of, of a young fighter in China. They just want to know what works. And what they are hearing is that wrestling is dominant in MMA. So they're interested in wrestling and then already from the beginning, right? So striking and wrestling. And then when they look towards jujitsu for some of the holds and stuff, they look and then they look for a school and they're like, oh my goodness, this is like really expensive. Whereas I can easily even get kickboxing training for not as expensive. And then when they want to do competitions, it's, it's much more easy to get into these. Um, and so a lot of the fighters that I've spoken to from China, that, that's kind of the perspective where it's like, oh, that's just what are these, uh, these rich kids do. And just like, it's very expensive, all like every aspect. So it kind of goes to what you're saying where it's like, there isn't, um, they, they do have their own community, right? <laughs> like community of people who can afford to train, yeah. I guess. Um, and it's not to say that um, everyone is, like that there it doesn't exist like there's no community jujitsu i'm sure it's somewhere but it's like we're not quite hearing about it yeah it's in brazil a little bit i'm sure there's probably a couple places here you know there's there's always guys that do things in their garage but it's not my most of what we see are like in big jujitsu gyms and there's a lot of stuff with the associations and things like it's it's just it can get kind of ugly so yeah. 
so hopefully, you know, if, if nothing else, hopefully like this comic helps people imagine another way to be able to do this if, if they have like a burning desire to to grapple, to fight, to train, to learn how to defend themselves, whatever it is, like there is another way. You don't have to spend all that money doing jujitsu. Yep. I agree. All right. So um, we've been speaking for almost an hour. So is there any uh, anything that you that we haven't talked about that you'd like to bring up? Um, you know, we've, we've covered quite a bit here. I just, the biggest thing I want to say, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time, your knowledge. You know, you've, you've been really helpful with this project. Um, you know, I, I, I would like PM you at weird times at night and be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, and, <laughs> you know, you never made me feel weird about it. I really appreciate that. Um, more than anything, man, I, I want to thank everybody for helping us fund this. I mean, this, this is unbelievable. This is like a, a dream come true. You know, this, uh, this comic, this character, I mean, this is something Matt and I, we started doing this years ago and we had a false start. We, we had a couple artists that we looked at that just didn't, they didn't work out. And it just kind of fell by the wayside for a few years. And then we got lucky with Ross, the timing was right with him. And he fully embraced this and, um, and, and now we're actually funded, you know, now hopefully we can get to those stretch goals. We can get people more art. Cause I mean, you, you've seen what these guys can do. They're, they're incredible. And you're, you're also a fan of like manga and comics and things. So you, I know that you can appreciate the level of art that, um, that these guys are doing. And, you know, I just, I hope we get to do a whole lot more of Milagro and, uh, I, I just hope people enjoy it, and, and I'm really grateful that uh, that we've gotten the support that we have. All right, that sounds great. I'm I'm grateful too, even though I'm like a uh, I'm not an artist or the story person. You know, I'm I'm helping with the fights, but uh, I'm thankful to be part of this project as well, and thankful that it got funded. So hopefully, um, you know, we it can we can make more, right? So people can see catch wrestling and in realistic fighting scenarios. Man, I hope we get to a point where we can have Milagro masks. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ross did a hell of a design for the mask. Um, it's funny, Matt had a really good design. This is the thing with Ross, he, he was incredible. Like we had talked about it. He wasn't even sure if he could do it because there was another big project. And he, I think Dark Horse or somebody was like looking at him for a project. And, Unfortunately for him, it fell through, but fortunately for us, we got to work with him. But, you know, Matt mentioned it to him. He didn't show him anything. They just had a discussion. And I want to say like an hour later, he had like the mask. He had like the, the singlet, the costume and everything. You know, like that'd be cool if we can get to the point where we can um, where we can supply Milagro masks. I'd be down for that. Oh, that'd be really cool. And the other thing would, that would be really cool is that um, there is a... Um comic book store actually there's plenty of comic book stores in la but there was one uh in my in my area and so I, I i checked it out last weekend and what was cool is they had this big section about supporting local artists uh so it'd be kind of cool if uh milagro was in that section as well you know it wouldn't necessarily be uh you know maybe maybe in colorado you know wherever you are where you guys are um uh, that'd be kind of uh, i thought it was really cool to see that um the comic book stores themselves are actually trying to promote uh almost like these uh 
uh, these smaller artists, not just like these mega, like Marvel or whatever, like DC or whatever. So, um, so, and I think that reminded me of like this project here, how it's, you know, doing the Kickstarter and all that. So it's not just like this big budget type thing from the beginning. And so that also adds to the whole community aspect of it as well, where it's like, you're having a lot of people working together to make this happen. So it's really amazing that it, that it is happening now. So thank you to everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, that, that does remind me there is, um, there's a comic book store in Boulder, Time Warp Comics. A friend of ours, Wayne, owns it. That's where I met Matt. You know, um, I followed Wayne. I followed Time Warp Comics. Matt found me there, and then he was doing like a signing for another project that he had, and he was just doing fan art. That's where we met. I mean, we met because of that, essentially. You know, we met because of a local comic book shop, and it just goes back to the whole bottom-up grassroots thing. You know, like Wayne was generous enough to 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 host Matt, you know, and 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 to encourage and support us, and you know now we're doing this this awesome project, and I hope that bottom up grassroots thing just kind of explodes, you know, with with art, with training, with whatever whatever it can inspire, you know, community gardening. There's a big aspect of that, like what whatever people are going to get out of it that's positive and yeah, I, I just hope people get something good out of it and there's a butterfly effect of, I don't know, of goodness, that, of wholesome goodness that comes from this, from the broken limbs and the blood. That sounds great. That's awesome. Um, so can you tell people where they can find out more, like the, especially like the so, social media aspect of Milagro? Can you tell us where, where to find you? Yeah, um, Milagro, if you just go to Kickstarter, you put Milagro in the Kickstarter engine, and the link is also uh, on the bottom of the show notes. You can find it there. We're on Twitter. We don't have a Facebook account. Um, we don't have a website yet. This is still new. Like we, When we started this, we weren't even sure if we were going to get funded, much less like get funded in like four days. This is like This is a little unreal. You know, I'm, um, I've been writing for a while, but, you know, I've, I've had a couple things published here and there, but I don't even have like a website or anything, you know, so we're still, uh, we're still filling that stuff out. You can, um, Matt Strackbein, you can find him at the letter hack, both on Twitter. And I believe if you just Google letter hack, you can find him, uh, Ross Radke, R-A-D-K-E is how you spell his last name. If you Google him, he comes up, you can see his comic stomp. Um, I mean, check out that guy's work. That guy's unbelievable. You know, we're so, so fortunate to have an artist of his caliber on this project. Yeah, and I think, let me see here. What is the the Twitter handle for Milagro? It's Comic Milagro. Comic Milagro, yes. Yeah. So if you guys are, are on Twitter, go ahead and check that out. So you can see, I, well, what was, like, I would recommend you guys follow them on Twitter if you're on Twitter because... They posted a bunch of the artwork on there, so you can you can get a good sense of what it looks like, and um, and even like they they post a lot. Like I'm looking at it right now, and like they post a lot of cool pics of like uh, them doing the work, really. So it's like yeah. you kind of see it happening as a, you know, from the black and white to then get colored and stuff. So um, yeah, I definitely recommend that. Yeah, they're both great guys too, man. Like I brought my son. I remember the first time I met Matt, he did a sketch for my son. He drew my son as a superhero. You know, there was another time I, I knew a kid who was a teenager that was interested in art. Matt, like, met with them, spoke with them. Like, 
these guys are really they're they're great guys they're really nurturing you know like if, if an artist can get inspiration or, or any kind of like technical aspects from what they're, they're doing you know by all means please do awesome all right well um i think this is probably a good place to end it so i want to thank everyone for listening thank you for joining me uh do, do they know that they can call you memo that'd be like the official shortening or the short way to say guillermo in spanish they just call oh, you memo no um matt likes to call matt and ross both like to refer to me as mo my wife calls me mo memo is even better i'll take memo yeah yeah there's a big a big time real famous uh memo or guillermo uh uh who plays for the mexican national soccer team all right uh, yeah guillermo choa he's like their their it's kind of it's kind of the spanish word is kind of popping into my head so it's kind of because uh, when i started thinking about about that then so but the the goalie his name is guillermo and so then uh, uh everyone's like excited about memo right so that's, that's another um, way they, matt did a, a video that was on the humanist report there's like a, a short two minute video where he pronounces my name without rolling the r and it's it's adorable <laughs> yeah, actually yeah, one little detail for, for people since my name uh, is raul right wow. Yeah, and I grew up only, you know, for the first few years of my life, only hearing it pronounced properly in Spanish. And then when I went to school and, you know, like the the teachers weren't native Spanish speakers, then actually for a second there, I was like, oh, I hate my name because I hated the way it sounded when they when they didn't pronounce it the way I was used to. And it almost sounded like, like bad to my ears <laughs> so i was just like what the hell is it or whatever it's just so but i got used to you know i got especially since so many there's such a big mix of people here and not everyone especially like in la like not everyone's gonna be even speak english right so yeah. um so i'm used to hearing my name pronounced all kinds of ways <laughs> now but um uh but yeah my name is a uh what's it a tongue roller or whatever so uh yeah so Anyway, so hopefully you appreciated hearing Guillermo and and but yeah, memo for short. So memo. tell everyone that. I'll take it. Okay. All right. Well, thank everyone for listening. Thank Guillermo for for being here and uh thank everyone for funding the the oh, comic. Yeah, everyone. Thank you so much, guys. I mean, uh, I'm I'm really overwhelmed with the support. I really yeah, we all are. I, I I can't wait to talk to Matt about this. I mean, this is really exciting, and we literally could not have done it without everybody. So thank you. Great. Okay, so let's everyone uh, help to keep real wrestling alive and also keep Milagro alive, too. Thanks for watching. Thank you, guys.